Welcome to Nota Bene, brought to you by Seesaw, the only app you need to get you to see the art you want to see. And Ben, it's a free app. You can download it in the App Store. It's amazing. I've been using it for years. I go on Seesaw, flag the galleries that I want to see, and it shows up in a custom-made map. What else does it do, Ben? Uh, I mean, that's basically it. You go online. Say, say you're traveling somewhere. Say you're just in New York. It shows you all the relevant galleries, what the shows are, when they're open until, meaning like when like the show's done. You click on the ones you actually care about and want to see, leave all the crap aside, and then it'll build you custom maps. You can walk around. You don't miss any shows. And then like gallery owners don't get mad at you because you didn't see the last four shows because now you're able to see it, all because of Seesaw, available for free in the App Store. Gallery owners are still going to get mad at me, but that's okay. They just get mags I don't buy. Nate, buddy, welcome back to Union Square. Beautiful Union Square. What's going on, my dude? Not too much. It's a gorgeous day in New York City. I had breakfast at Balthazar. Ooh, power breakfast? Oh, very much so. This is the first day that people could have breakfast at Balthazar in, you know, almost a year and a half. Nature is healing. Nature is healing. And it was glorious. I had an omelet with Gruyere. The home fries were Spectacular! We had a big pastry basket with some monkey bread. And then uh, not, so not so bad. Not so bad. Well, it's go- it's gorgeous outside, a little cool, but the Union Square Farmers Market out the window was popping today. Oof, did you stop by be. and get some things to make I yourself didn't. a little dinner? I got, I got some veg. Not gonna lie. Out uh, the ramps were out. The ramps were out. I left my my roll, my cash at home, so I had to mm. go to the bank. And when I got back, the, the ramps, ramps were sold. That's out. what happens. Bummer. But it was gonna be my first. You know, I, I did like a five day fast. I ate like nothing but these weird dried soups. And like yeah. some sort of sugar water uh, called Prolon. Weird. So I posted on on the gram and a lot of art world people popped out of the woodwork to say, oh, you're doing that too. Or, oh, wow. I did that. Yeah, I'm not going to go into trendy, names. I don't want to shame. And I didn't realize that uh, this makes me want to hang my head in fucking shame. But it was a, a goop selection at one point in time. <laughs> nothing nothing wrong with, with, with the goop. I mean, it's better than the yoni egg, I suppose, or the, or the vaginal scented candle. Right, yeah. There's been a lot of writing on that there are things wrong with the goop, I, I think, <laughs> actually. And I, I did this to, you know, to uh, you know, get rid of the bloat. A lot of, a lot of steak frites, a lot of Bernays sauce mm-hmm. was happening now that, now that the pan- pandemic is over. And, uh, and in preparation of, yes, our trip to Mexico next week, which right. I'm stoked about this week for you. And, uh, and actually, that. Smith and Walensky is the great steakhouse is reopening tomorrow, 420. Oh, fun. And I have secured via Nick Solaris, the famed food writer and gadfly, a reservation. Mm-hmm. I have a client that is flying in from Chicago just for this dinner. So I felt like I needed a little cleanse before that. Did you book it on 420 for a reason? That's just when the restaurant's reopening. It's the got first it, night that it. we could, that anyone could book a table. Well, do you think someone uh, who's coming to this dinner will be... The last time I had a steakhouse right. dinner with, with, with Ms. With Solaris Nick, yeah. was uh, we popped between two different steakhouses, uh, between uh, Smith & Lewinsky and Keen's to kind of taste test between the two. And someone might have provided uh, some far too powerful marijuana for my system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I spent the second half of the dinner, which was at Keen's, gripping the table in fear uh, right. and, and, and feeling as though that all the meat was giving me a heart attack in that very moment. It was not enjoyable, the it was second not enjoyable. half. I'm, I'm hoping for a better... I, this this will be this will be there'll probably be some bordeaux i'll, I'll definitely have a martini of first course. there will be no celebration of Stay 420 beyond that. Not, from the devil's the weed tabacchi. man the devil's weed the wacky tobacco doesn't, doesn't work with my system I'm, I'm anxious enough i am I attuned to the universe enough i'm in touch with the fact that we are all part of the same atoms i, I don't i don't need a i don't need a i don't need a weed to, to i'm on your level that. Um, anyway, we're back here uh, after some great critical response to our last few episodes. Thank God. To do a little more note de We deserve it. Critical My response. ego is really fragile. So if you want to write me a note, send me a text, a little, a little uh, DM, I could, use the, I, could use the, I could use all the help I can get. So what's happening this week? Um, well, there's a lot going on, actually. I think what's first on the agenda to recap? I think me. we wanted to talk about uh, a, a hero of mine, one of the greatest gallerists of her or any other generation. Um, Paula Cooper had a great little article in the Times. I think it was published on Sunday in the print edition for me and the other seven people that take the actual physical newspaper about Paula Cooper's legacy. And most importantly, we, there's, a, there's a whole generation of gallerists that are sole proprietorship gallerists, kind of their name on the door, who haven't really announced 
announced exactly what the the legacy planning will be, uh-huh. and she has come ahead and announced the four partners of hers that will carry the gallery forward. Um, her great kind of minimalist and beyond project, and it was a great article. So they're going to be um, Anthony Allen. Her son, Lucas, Lucas uh, mm-hmm. Cooper, who obviously Steve Henry, a longtime right-hand man. And at the Alexis gallery. Johnson. And Alexis who Johnson. We joined the gallery. Um, so it was very cool. They kind of made this public announcement in the Times. And the, the article was about that, but also just about her legacy. Uh-huh. And what a great life, man. God. What a cool the, woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she was, if not the first, certainly one of the first uh, people to open a gallery in Soho. In the 1960s, and and from then on out, she really has been leading uh, the pack in so many ways. And For I mean, one of the early, if not the first, galleries galleries in Soho, but then really led the charge in, to in Chelsea. To, to Chelsea, she is one of the few gal- uh, galleries there that own their building. Uh, not that many do. Not bad business if you can get it. And it sort mm-hmm. of makes sense that she was early to Chelsea. I don't think it mentions this in the article, that, but I believe Dia, the Dia Foundation, preceded her moving to Chelsea, which has long been a champion of minimalists, and her program was very was really typified by her by, exactly. by her support of you know of uh, Donald Judd and uh, Saul LeWitt, uh, Carl Andre, and, and other leading lights of minimalism. So it makes sense that she was there with them. The DR right. Foundation exactly. also reopening in Chelsea now. Um, but it's just a great article ab- about that history, but also about how she has been able to change with the times. But she's gone on to now represent uh, Tauber Auerbach. And of course, and Cecily Brown, uh, who left Larry and went en fuego once she joined with Paula. So I thought it was like a lovely article and also just showed us like a way to do it and not be like a mega brand, but still have like man integrity. And like, I suspect they're doing serious business. Serious business. And, you know, they just opened a branch in Palm Beach that was announced. It's not a seasonal gallery, but a year round gallery in, in Palm Beach. Which... Yep, year round. Um, and as I, I've, I've been there, you've been there. It's a beautiful space. Um, and it makes sense with the kind of serious older collector base. I think yeah. you find, at least historically, in, in Palm Beach. I know that's changing with the in, the pandemic and tax created. But the influx. old guard is still there. Oh, and, totally. You know, and they are on Worth Avenue, you know, every day, just lunching or shopping. And they can pop into Paula Cooper, who's now right there. It was a heartwarming article, if I can say that. I'm not a very easily heartwarmed guy, but that's how I felt. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just great to know what the future of the gallery is going to be and i think it but uh, yeah and that's that was the key to the article it points to the fact that certain galleries have not really spoken about what their future is going to be i mean most notably larry um, larry who just had a birthday he uh, did we don't know what birthday number it was but i don't think that, that that's a state secret if we did knew, start with kill a, us. no 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 he's not vain like that did it start with a seven or an eight <laughs> That's the question. The yeah. seven or eight. Um, I, but, I think it's still seven. But I think it's still seven. Yeah. I mean, he also like there. listen. He's in better shape than I am. He looks great. That's true. Good point. Happy birthday, Larry. Happy birthday. I, Larry. I know you're listening. I, um, come on the pod. But anyway, so so Larry has never talked about what the kind of future of the gallery will be, which is so entwined with him, but has a great number of really, really competent, smart, um, both business people and, and people that work with artists and estates. So. Um, you know, we'll see what happens there. I think Marion Goodman has never really been uh, publicly said what the future is Nothing. there, yeah. um, and who's also up there in age. And uh, I'm sure you know. Nineties. Uh, it seems like Miss Barbara Gladstone, another great like Paula, like a strong independent woman gallerist that, that never felt the need to overexpand or expand geographically, mm-hmm. but it still had like a super strong program and and a commercially successful program. But she has brought on recently Gavin uh, Brown, obviously, as a director and and a partner, and, and Max, Falkenstein Max Falkenstein as a partner. So there seems to be an indication of where things could go there. Paula, you deserve it. I wish it, again, with all arts coverage, like I wish it was on the front page of the Sunday Times, not, an, artic- nice not, an, article about, not an article about streaming the fucking Oscars. Like, <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> Didn't read that. I'm not going to be watching the Oscars. How can you not watch the Oscars? Because uh, see what's nominated this year? I didn't watch any of those movies. Yes, I know you watch Mank I like six Man. I like times. Mank. I like you know, Mank. All yeah. writers love Mank. I know. I do <laughs> it just love idolizes Mank. The, the words on the page. Um, I finally watched uh, Nomadland this past weekend. I had been putting it off because I presumed it was going to be like super, soup, soup, soups depressing. Uh-huh. Wasn't. It wow, was, it okay. was. It filled me with light and, oh, and, I guess and, I'll and watch life. This movie. I it, had... was, it was melancholic at times, but never like overly dark. I've definitely pushed it off as well. Do it. Just I... do it. It's free on Hulu. I know you wow. have someone's password. I have my own account, actually. Look at you. I All know. grown up. I share Netflix, though. 
And then moving on, I think some of the bigger news this week or, or recently, uh, uh, since your column dropped on Friday, was this amazing Cole Scott painting uh, Ooh, that yeah. will be they'll be featured in the Sotheby's sale here in New York in May. Mm-hmm. What do we know about this bad boy? Well, uh, it was previously in the collection of a Midwestern couple by uh, by what what was the couple's name? Well, we should say the the painting is is Cole Scott's as as your publication Artnet headlined it caustic satire of Washington's crossing the Delaware. Oh yes, of course. Which, um, yeah. is poised to be at Sotheby's uh, in May, estimate nine to twelve million dollars, well above his current record of nine hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Actually, the art newspaper where I saw first figured out who owned the picture because they went back and saw when it was included in a museum show. Robert and Lois Orchard of right. St. Louis, Missouri, new name to me yeah uh, they passed away uh, in our quick little Google here in 2016 they did have a named sale at like maybe Hindeman auction house or something like that mm-hmm. that included a number of mediocre things but not something like this but I'm also not sh- sure that Cole Scott's market was anywhere near where it is now I mean it certainly yeah. wasn't but uh, back then so I guess the estate held on to it sold off some other art probably to pay tax bills and uh, and now they're sitting on this absolute stunning masterwork and, and in, in since 2016 I'm not sure exactly when Blum and Poe took over the estate of Cole Scott but they've certainly done a lot of work in in making his his market what it is now uh, and this is like and talk about for right now in this particular moment in political history like this painting is bananas good. it's incredible and yes it, it's going to reset his market in a way that you know hasn't happened yet but now is the inflection point for for Cole Scott's just you know market in general and 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 this is the painting that is you know going to do it has has to be something this massive this important this spectacular yeah i mean it's gonna go crazy i can think of like five or six collectors off the top of my name that could afford Mm -hmm. to pay this or more and And i can can, i'm not saying they will but i can imagine them wanting to have a phone line on this oh yeah in the song because i mean this is a this is for a museum trustee this is something you need to buy and eventually give to a a moma a met um something of that ilk lacma uh art institute of chicago you know something like that i think probably i hope it stays an american institution because it's a picture that's so much about america um and also in sotheby's news on the heels of like a major kind of um mod sale they did in hong kong they're selling uh the first like probably one of the last Monet water lilies uh, mm-hmm. in private hands will be coming up in their, um, whatever they're calling Imod now. I guess it's still Imod in New York, also in May. They this picture is crazy. I'm going to, I'm going to, can you do the French? I can't do the French. Someone, don't yell. <laughs> the Basin en Nymphes. Uh, yeah, that's about right. The Basin of Nymphs. Um, basin and, of Nymphs. <laughs> uh, it's an early, uh, early water. basin. Yeah, early water lily, uh, very important because it kind of takes out any reference point outside the frame of the actual nature. There's no, there's no setting. There's no narrative. It's a key movement towards abstraction. Um, I'm forgetting what the estimate on this bad boy is, but it is a killer picture. It's really good. And Sotheby's mean- is a little bit in fuego right now. Well... Christie's isn't too shabby either, but well, but I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I, they're not making the headlines. Maybe I'm sure they're doing the business uh, because Mr. Pino would have it no other Monsieur way. Monsieur Pino. Um, so the just to, to, to cycle back, this Simone is uh, estimated in the region of forty million, yeah. which makes me sense that there's a guarantee either from the house or a third party right at that number. I would think there's certainly or maybe one. thirty-five and then forty with fees and whatnot. Um, Still, what a flex to have that in your living room, you know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Imod is not my game, nor really yours, but uh, it seems like there's some value there, though, even at that price for, like, a, a key picture. That I think you know, it'll sell for way more than that, but he's not painting anymore, that's for sure. <laughs> um, considering some of the results we saw this morning out of Hong Kong in, uh, in Sotheby's. Well, I mean, a former I'm, guest of the pod did pretty well this time. Yeah, a Joel Messler picture estimated, like, 20 to 30 in dollars, I believe, or 30 to 40, selling for almost 200,000 U.S. dollars all mm-hmm. in. Uh, crazy price, great picture. I hope, uh, you know, unfortunately, he doesn't see a piece of that, but, yeah. you know, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't... The, the problem with... Uh, uh, He's not young, but with an artist that's new to auction that has a big result like this, a lot of people who bought these for thirty, forty thousand dollars, they see that price, they're like, oh, they think yeah. about selling it. And the problem is, you can see a little bit of a flood in a market right after a big result like this. Hopefully, the houses know how to. T- and the problem with that is sometimes the houses will see the name and not look at the picture, and maybe not as prime an example gets put in a sale, and that can then you can continue to go up for a bit and then depress it. So hopefully, everyone hold on. Diamond hands, as they say in the as they say in the stonks world. Uh, hold, hold, hold. Stonks world. 
Yeah, you like that? Nope. <laughs> but also, I mean, there was a Nara that went for over 12 million US dollars, which right. I didn't do any Googling, but it must be it. Is that a record? No, there's no? Nara that okay. went for 25. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, only half, but still some impressive results out I, of I know out, that out because that. after the Nara sold for 25, I called Tim Lum to ask <laughs> what the Nara on the wall of Niagara Bar is worth. <laughs> And did you get a number for that? I think I might have gotten a ballpark. I remember the article. That, that was a good piece of journalism. I like that. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know, Niagara, Ball, Niagara Bar, important, important East Village watering hole. Uh, and uh, Nara, I believe, drunk after an opening at the Marian Boski Gallery sometime in the 90s, did an amazing wall mural in there that they've, they've subsequently covered with plexiglass, yeah. which is much like, uh, speaking of art in bars, I think it's important that we talk about uh, Bellman's Bar. Bellman, uh, the creator of Madeline, who mm. decorated the bar in the Carlisle Hotel many, many years ago, the walls as well as the um, the uh, lampshades, lamp yeah. uh, one of the greatest drinking spots, the greatest high end dipping in planet Earth, certainly the best high end drinking when spot. When aliens in come to Earth and ask me where to get a drink, I will tell them to go to Bevelman's. Yeah, I and mean, we've spoken about some of the great bars, Loose Bar. Uh, you know, there's a number around the world. This is definitely up there, Captain's Bar, etc. So they're going to be reopening. I forget the exact date. I believe it's 11th of May. Is that, that right? That's correct. Yes. And so certainly in time for uh, the Met Gala uh, ball taking place in September, which is where we're going to be. You we're and I will be, be posted watching the ladies in their gowns. It's uh -huh. a great place to go because that's where a lot of the ladies and gents stay uh, when they're in town for that. And they they'd set up a little red carpet outside the hotel as they depart into their cars to take the four block mm -hmm. drive. Are we? Gonna be in, in tuxedos, Beth. Obvi, bro. Yeah. Okay. Tails, yeah. tails, my friend. <laughs> Wrong time of day. No, t no tails in the evening. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be in head to toe Sterling Ruby. If he'll, if if he will lend, perhaps he will dress us for the occasion. <laughs> Sterling, Booby, if you're listening, hook us Please, up. Please, Sterling. In other auction news, I've been learning a lot about the antiquities market this week. Um, which is a little bit, again... I'm stay with about, us. Stay with us here. Yeah, yeah stay with us. Uh, a, a client pointed out a really nice Corinthian helmet uh, that's coming up for sale in the Christie's Antiquities sale this week uh, at a, a reasonable estimate. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll look into it for you. Not my specialty. I can't really give you any super great market advice, but I can I can, I can can ask the correct questions and, and give you a sense of who the experts to speak to are. So in my research, I found out uh, that the market for these has gone bananas during the Bonkers. pandemic. Things that were selling for, for twenty or $30,000, selling for like three fifty. dollars uh, A really great example that was in great condition with ornate stuff, uh, sold for almost $800,000 uh, over Nutty. the summer. Nutty. I mean, but also, how cool is it you can own a helmet that a Rome, uh, that that a Greek soldier, like at, at at the turn of the millennia, the beginning of civilization war into battle, perhaps. Uh. I mean, that's. I mean, do you, I know I'm a dork. That's really cool. This, obviously, that's very cool. It's insanely cool. But question: Yeah, do you, do you wear it? You buy it. You, you can do whatever you can do the fuck you want. <laughs> It's like when a client asks me, hey, could I turn this abstract painting horizontal? I mean, no, but if you pay the invoice, you can dance naked on top of it for all I care. I would definitely wear it. In the case of this, you could definitely wear it. I mean, the, the special. So I went today to go see it, and this young specialist, really smart guy, um, uh, was explaining the marketplace to me and took me to see some other amazing objects, popped it off and was just handling it with his bare hands. Oh. That's like incredible. no gloves. I was like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, I saw all sorts of things that like were in my price range that are literally 2,000 years old, which I was entrapped with. But anyway, so I was asking him about the market. Like, for instance, this helmet had recently transacted in a private sale in 2020. And it's being sold at auction in 2021. And I noticed there were a few of these in the records that he sent me of comparables. And he said that there were, there were two reasons. The first of which is that I guess Logan Roy in the show Succession... What? had a number of similar helmets no arrayed way. in his office. Oh my God, And the specialist, amazing. and I think he's right, the specialist believes that the market has been, has been hyperinflated in a way, or inflated, because of this. Bore on the floor. Bore on the floor. <laughs> um, and so uh, the Logan Roy connection creating a, a, a kind of a, 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 an elevated market for these really fantastic objects for me was, was just fascinating. Also, I just think they're kind of very in vogue as decorators' objects. Totally. Um, and, uh, and very, very cool. So it's always fun to find out about markets that are outside my specialty of kind of post-war and really hyper-contemporary art. And also, I mean, this is the thing about auction houses when I worked at one, and the really cool thing 
it wasn't so much like the people in my department who all were specialists and very smart to talk to about contemporary art or post-war paintings. It was people in like the design department or in the photography department who were real dorks for their specialty, he, who could explain to me why this chair was so special for like 20 minutes. And this kid was the same way, like just has a, a hyper-specific knowledge set and you just, you love to see it. Absolutely, oh, absolutely. love to see it. Uh, yeah, that's worth the price of admission. Right. 100% worth the price of admission. Um, before we get to our guests this week, uh, from Mills guests. Moran, uh, who's brilliant, good friend, friend of the pod, I wanted to segue into that because he is based in Los Angeles, although the interview is a little bit about his expansion. Uh, but he has an art fair in LA called Felix, or has had one. We'll, we'll see if it goes forward. Um, but we had some news that you dropped in your column on last Friday that the people might want to hear about in terms of what's going on with Freeze LA this coming year. Freeze LA imploded this year due to some scheduling snafus, some logistical nightmares, and all around juicy stuff, man. Really, really juicy stuff. So they were planning to, uh, they couldn't have it in February as they usually do. The last art fair we all went to was Freeze in February 2020 before oh, before the world a shut down. Ago. Yeah, a lifetime ago. Um, they were trying to do it in July, and uh, they were trying to do it in like, you, you set up in a bunch of houses, or what was it? They were going to rent modernist houses throughout the city and then fill them with two different gallery booths. I mean, quote unquote, booths. They wouldn't be like you know the, the presentation of two yeah, different right. galleries in each, and and Ellie's rife with these modernist houses. Of course, yeah. So they would rent a ton of them, and people can just drive around looking in art all day, and that was the idea. But the problems arose because one, the traffic in Los Angeles is terrible. No one wants to drive around all day. It was just that that would just that sounds up. like a cute idea that would actually be a nightmare. Exactly, and then they encountered some problems with the city, who allegedly, according to my sources said that you can't have uh, any sort of retail operation out of a residentially zoned house. Lame. Yeah. And so, you know, because a gallery is essentially just a retail operation, they can't just sell things out of houses. I think this is like, I think I think Freeze actually should have led with that because that's a great reason not to have it outside of the logistical nightmare of a bunch of rich collectors sitting in traffic for hours at a time right. in the Hollywood Hills. But instead of addressing it at all, they just sort of spun it so they could announce the new location for the February Which was Which was smart, as opposed to saying we're, we're canceling the fair. The lead was the yeah. fair is scheduled in 2020 in this new location, which I think we discussed in the pod, which is in the in the parking lot or the oh, lot the next Beverly, to the Beverly oh. Hills Hilton. Which, Beverly Hilton. Which I mentioned last time and you shot down. It did used to have a very important tiki bar. Of course, now I'm forgetting the name again. It closed a few years. Trader Vicks. Trader Vicks. The original, right. like a very important cocktail establishment in the world. Um, R.I.P. I never went. Not I think really it my made thing. an appearance on Mad Men, famously. I, I mean, of course it, it had to. How could, how could they, how could Don not go to L.A. And, and have a drink there? I like tiki bars. When was the last time you went to tiki bar? There was like one in L.A. We used to go to not that one, but East Side like 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh, I think I remember that one. The kitsch thing is like not really What's the name of that bar? I can't it's remember. It was, it was across from Akbar, yeah. uh, which was a great kind Right of, there in the... Uh, uh, Sunset, Sunset. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, right there yeah. by the by the theater, uh, by the cool indie theater, right there. Yep. Um, anyway, that's it for us this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, Nate will be live from Mexico City if I can get the technology working. It's we'll see. We'll see. I will be at Contramar, and uh, we will record from there. That's gonna be a little noisy, and you'll be a little bit energetic, but that'll be fine. We'll make it work. <laughs> we'll make it work. All right, stay tuned. Coming right up, Mills Moran of Moran Moran Gallery. Just after this. Mills Moran. Welcome to Nota Bene, Mills. Mills Moran, proprietor of Moran Moran Gallery. What is going on, my dude? How are you guys? Pretty good. What's going on in Los Angeles today? You having a little luncheon? Well, uh, no, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna go meet a friend of mine. You might know him, Alex Logsdale. Wow, Logsdale's in Los Angeles. Wow. Well, we had dinner the other night. I'm gonna go show him my new gallery. This is so exciting. I mean, Alex has pretty exceptional taste, but he does not hide his cards. So are you ready for his judgment? Well, I'm ready, baby. I'm I ready. Don't, I don't think he'll have any judgment, but it is fun when he does. It's very fun. It is very fun. Uh, that that yeah. keen British wit and uh, obviously an yeah. eye that's been cultivated since birth. I, um, so you, this is your new gallery, which was announced today to the press and the people via an email. I got it like, I don't know, 10 o'clock this morning. Fabulous looking Sometimes press morning. release, by the way. A lot of people fuck these up. This is just a beautiful one. They do design well, Nate. <laughs> so tell us about it. Where's the Where's the new gallery located exactly? 
So the, the, the closest reference point would be Koreatown, uh, but it's not really Koreatown. <clears throat> it's a little bit north. It's right on Melrose and Western, if you know L.A. at all. Um, it's, it's sort of a, a new corridor that's developing. There's some other galleries that are moving into the area. I think Nate knows a few of them. Is, is this where Zwerner is going to be? This close is, by there? This is where Zwerner yeah, is. Yeah, Zwerner. If I know the building, it's right down the block, on the same block, but across the street from me. Um, there's a bar opening up next door to me. No way. Actually, the, the, the building's actually adjacent. Yeah. What's the bar? Uh, the Haas Brothers. The Haas Brothers are opening a bar there. That's fun. Do you have a financial stake in this bar, Mills? I do not know. Oh, no. That's, that's tragic. <laughs> You're going to be shuffling half your paycheck to them. I know. They will have a financial stake in my life. <laughs> Probably both of ours, too. Um, and and what, what kind of space is it? Is it? It's not new construction, is it? Well, it's a... It's a you know a '60s '70s brick thing that's um, um, you know it's pretty much untouched. So it's it's a wide open space. So we designed it. Um, we're having Jonathan Mickey, the the designer. He's going to create all the interiors for us: shelving, office furniture, office desks, chairs. You know, every, everything soup to nuts. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different from the old gallery. There's going to be an entryway. Um, <clears throat> sort of a reveal into the gallery exhibition space. A really nice viewing room, you know, multiple offices, storage on site. Um, it's about 40% bigger than our last space. Wow. So it's great. giving us a little bit more room to work with. And quite a bit uh, of a different location because where you are presently on, what street is that? Uh, Holland and Wilshire. La Cienega. La Cienega. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's more design district and never really became a full gallery. The gallery's around there, but it seems like you're going to be more in this new nexus of Los I Angeles. Mean, we, look, we, spent, we spent over 10 years in La Cienega. It's actually really central for collectors. Yeah. But what, what I started to learn was it wasn't as good for out-of-towners. So people that came from out-of-town, they go, you know, they go downtown, they go midtown. This actually was on the outskirts from for people that are going around renting a car and doing their gallery visits for the day. So I don't know if you guys are kind of experienced that. Maybe not. I mean, maybe that's why I'm saying that when I said it was kind of outside, because it was a little bit. It was always had to yeah. be a dedicated, at least for me, it had to be a dedicated kind of stop as, as opposed to kind of part of a large Right. Activity. I mean, even if, you know, Regan is like eight minutes away from us, it just felt it just felt further away. Right. So um, it was good for the L.A. collectors, though. So we always had good pop-ins. But, you know, I'm excited. This, you know, getting a new place to work is, is, is kind of a dream, you know? You spend so much time in one space. Of totally. course, you know, of calls. course. And you guys, you know, you guys always have, uh, always have kind of like nice design space. So I'm sure this is going to uh-huh. be no different. And did you announce uh, in the email, did you also announce what you'll be opening the new space with? Yeah, it's going to be Soil Thornton. It'll be the first show. Amazing. And the second show will be... Um, Matthew Higgs curating uh, our first Dash Snow presentation. Incredible. Which you guys might know, we just started uh, representing the state. Yeah, I, I wrote a story then, about this in December. Uh, yeah, that's right. I talked to you right. and I talked to uh, to Dan Colin uh, and Jade. Right. Uh, and it's just, it's really exciting what you guys are going to be able to do with this archive because this archive has kind of just been sitting there. And, and now, yeah. you, know, you know, it'll be just like brought back to the world in a really exciting way. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, we're excited. We, you know, we did the first presentation with Basel uh, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago with John Giorno, and when when you know people really loved it. So, but we'll now see. this will be in physical space, so people will be able to actually walk space. and see it, not yeah. one of these online things. Um, Correct. And uh, you guys are aiming for July with the new space. Yeah, there's there's a there's there's certain things happening towards the end of July that haven't been, um, you know. Uh, released yet like sort of like an la art week sort of thing oh cool. um, that that you know the sort of there's there's people behind the scenes you know that are have you know the gallery system here has never really been coordinated and organized um and that sort of changed last year when la platform came online right um so you know however whatever you think of ovr presentations um this sort of gathered the la art gallery community into like working together well, so i mean i think um, it was a great example of the pandemic the, a positive outcome of something right. like the pandemic and that people realized that they had to kind of stick together and find new models yep. exactly. together not necessarily disparately mm-hmm. um so does this mean i'm gonna have to like leave the hamptons and come to la for a week in july i've already looked at you hotels. know it might be worth your time it might be worth your time uh, but we'll i mean see, you, you know, know i want to come i'm coming i'm coming in june but 
and you know I will come. Look at what gallery shows are opening. Well, I mean, if you guys are opening the new gallery, I feel like I kind of have to be there the same way that I kind of have to fly to Mexico City next week to check out the other announcement in your email today. Is that a segue? That was a segue. That's that's what they call it in the biz. (laughs) I liked it. Um, uh, the other new gallery, Moran Moran Gallery, opening up your first international, your first ever uh, second location opening yeah, in yeah. Mexico City next week. How did this come about? Um, you know, so, most people uh, think of a that, second gallery, like I don't know, in in London or New York or or wherever. I mean, Mexico City, one of my favorite cities. Tell us the backstory on this one. So, um, as you know, we we started in Miami, a quick little two year run before we realized we needed a bigger market. Um, to, to kind of showcase the artists we wanted to work with. So at that point, the decision was New York or L.A., and we, we settled on L.A. for a variety of reasons, mostly because our artists that we worked with had representation in New York, and it, it just felt a little foolish to, to have, you know, have to go in there and start fighting with other galleries. So since that moment, my brother and I have always talked about a second space, and we could never nail it on the head. We could never figure out what the hell we were going to do, where we were going to do it. You know, we've looked at London, Paris, New York. You know, we've had all these brain farts just over the years. And the conversation always died. And it, it, to me, it was a sign that none of those cities ha- were the right fit. We didn't, each other, we mutually didn't have the right passion for, for doing something there. Um, you know, Mexico City really is it's just a, a product of the pandemic. You know, it's, it's a situation where we felt like we had to be a little aggressive and provide our artists with something else. You know, it's, you know, we've had, even though we're moving our new space, there, there, there has to be a different market that we can sort of tap into that not only architecturally is going to be different because this is going to be a house. This would be like a government owned building where an ambassador would live. It's a manor house and it's in Polanco, which is a really strange choice, but also kind of amazing at the same time. I, I mean, that's I like the fanciest or one of the fanciest right. neighborhoods in Mexico city. <laughs> But even that by itself wasn't a choice. I mean, it was it was more of like conversations that we had with people down there, you know, and in the past I would have taken seven flights and, you know, looked at, you know, a dozen spaces and, and had, you know, this realtor or that or this connection or or someone that would, you know, and in this case, you didn't have that. Right. So um, we had some collective friends down there that were taking over this house and they offered us uh, a significant amount of the ground floor space to open a to open a gallery and and everything was through zoom um you know even the dark you know the architect and you know the, the plans and and, and the, we're visualizing everything on video calls i've never seen the space and and i could have never fathomed as, as you guys know i i when my artists have an opening you know i'm there if they have a museum show i'm there i couldn't fathom doing something like this without visualizing it and everyone had to kind of pivot last year and everyone had to had to make decisions that they thought was best for them without without going through the usual motions. And mm-hmm. to me, it was kind of exciting to do it this way. Yeah. I was um, going to say, that sounds like a positive almost that. that, that oh yeah. hundred percent. Well, it for, you it forced you to make decisions, bullshit. right? Like it forced you to, uh, yeah, to, to pivot you and make through decisions. A lot of the deci- you know, apathy or, you know, not making a decision was always the reason we never made a decision on second space. And this kind of forced our hand. Um, and from additionally, from, from a, just a personal perspective, sorry, but, you know, I'm my brother and I. We were both born in El Salvador. El Salvadorian father, Cuban mother. Spanish is our first language. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grew up in a Spanish-only household. So this, you know, just from a cultural perspective, like this, just I mean, it makes so much sense for us. For sure, for sure. And I was gonna say, um, what, what, what I'm, I bet most of the artists, if not all of them, that you spoke with beforehand, were pretty excited about the possibility of going Ooh, yeah. down there to show and kind of the expanded audience that it, it provides. Has it already spurned some ideas for some of your artists, oh, the kind yeah. of projects they oh, wouldn't yeah. have thought of otherwise? I mean, we're getting. I've never been pitched so many projects for my oh, own artists. It's <laughs> 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 kind of funny. Yeah. Like, we're not the kind of gallery that takes like we let our artists do whatever they want for the most part. But you know, people are pitching shows now. I mean, content's kind of the name of the game, so that's fantastic, yeah. right? But also, it's kind of important for us to not make this just a gallery roster space. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to bring in shows from people that we don't work with. We're going to bring in people um, to curate shows. Uh, the third show. Uh, skipping over the first show, but the third show is going to be curated by Ebony Haynes. Right. Um, so exciting. Who you guys, you know, which is, you know, I'm super excited to see what she brings down there. Um, Tobias Ostrander, who, who, who was the chief curator at Tamayo for, I think nine years before he went to Pam, he's going to curate the first show, which is a Robert Mapplethorpe solo. And, you know, Robert Mapplethorpe's never had a solo in Mexico city. I was about at to least ask. not a gallery solo. Yeah. So, 
you know, we could do some really exciting things down there that haven't been done. We could show some people that I know will be excited to show down there. Um, there's a great network of galleries down there. Uh, we know pretty much most of them, but the ones we don't, you know, we want to get to know them. And um, I love Mexico City. I have, a, I have a gut feeling both of you guys do too. Love it um, more than just about any city in the world. I cannot wait to so, get there in three days. Yeah, get, so and like we're not opening next week. I want to be clear too. We're doing a Zona project because we wanted to start establishing ourselves. June will be the official opening, and I've I've already talked to dozens of people that are planning on coming out for that June seventeenth. Um, and the, the the house has this amazing garden. Um, you could do really safe, socially distant dinners. Uh, the grounds are just gorgeous, as you can imagine. That, you know, a house that style. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be something that we're super proud to be part of. Socially distant, socially distant. I want to give you a hug, Mills. Oh. I mean, there'll be a lot of hugs next week. I right, guarantee just, you there'll be a lot of hugs And well, well, it's, int- I mean, well, it's, it's, it's not totally off piste for you guys to do a project in Mexico city. Cause you guys have done projects, one-off projects, at least in different cities before. I mean, I know certainly you did a project cause I was involved in it in Detroit and I think there might've been yeah. one or two others. And you guys have already been interested in kind of seeding the kind of culture that you guys bring. So it's a gallery, but it has like a very specific point of view. It's not just a white box. It kind of, it kind of comes with a specific point of no, view no, and you've seen it yeah. in different places before. So it's not totally out of the blue, right? Yeah. You know, no, not at all. And you know, what's funny is, is we were, we were, we were sort of working with the Zona program people and, um, our initial idea was to get a storefront window in the city and, and hang a piece that's going to you know, be lit and available for everyone's eyes 24 hours a day. And, you know, we were looking at spaces, you know, we had people looking, we were getting, we were getting sent a ton of material and then said, what the fuck are we doing? Why don't we just hang the piece in the gallery that we're, <laughs> that we're going to open, right? So um, Tobias had a fantastic idea because when you enter the main gallery, there's a room with like 40 foot ceilings, it has these huge stained glass windows. Uh, but there's not a ton of wall space, and he's he's and and Tobias's words quote you got to gallery up this house a little bit. Gallery so we up. have this massive monolithic wall that's 15 feet wide, and it and it and it and it just cuts through the entire you know entry space, um, which is massive. So you know that's where we're going to hang the one work. It's it's a project with soil. Um, it's a, it's going to be one painting and it'll be our zona project but we're going to do a little a little event next wednesday at the space which you're both if you know I would love for you guys to join I think, um, I, think I can there. make it probably yeah you got you <laughs> put it on your calendar oh sick a couple of competing things but I'll try and swing by for sure for a drink All right. um so yeah, we will sort of kick off the gal we won't people to kind of get used to the gallery in the space and going there mm-hmm. so um yeah they can't listen wait. i want to come see the space so i can pitch a show idea to you so i can have another excuse to come to mexico city i mean that's my i would love that i would love that I would love that. Um, and I want to I want to return to the present day and kind of LA and how the gallery has been doing during during uh, the, the COVID nineteen times. But I just want to back up real quick without getting too much in details. I've just always found it refreshing. One of the reasons I love your gallery so much and its culture is that it doesn't come out of really traditional, somewhat boorish, somewhat snobbish top down culture, but in a way it kind of comes from bottom up because it's a gallery you run uh, with your brother who you founded it with. Yeah. And you guys have kind of a non-traditional background in terms of what we think of as, as, as people yeah. that start galleries. You usually have worked as directors in galleries, et cetera. Do you just want right. to just set for the people a little bit, a little bit of the background? Cause I yeah. think it's really important to who you are today. I, yeah. How you got started well, yeah. is a fascinating story. Yeah, I mean, we didn't study, we didn't study this business, we didn't study art, so we kind of came at it from from left field, but uh, we didn't have a ton of experience on how to run a gallery or operate a gallery, but we knew artists, and I think that's that's sort of an artist-centric vibe that, that that's always going to be uh, part of our DNA. Um, you know, we're not the gallery that's going to walk into a studio and say, I need a, I need two blue ones and a red one. You know, it's 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 kind of, to me, that's a sacred place. The artists, you know, they when we give them a show, we decide to give them a show. We 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 give them the keys, literally, and and mm-hmm. it's up to them to, to to figure out the project and the space. And we're here to help in any way we can. But it, it's always been the community. It's it's a gallery and a roster, but it's always been a community project. But we've always tried to be as involved as we can with with as many artists, even if we're working with them or not. You know, and it it started from book publishing and printing, and and it, it continues now with with other galleries. When we share artists, we do it in a very collaborative way. With, so our, with our gallery you, So you guys were, I mean, just to get into the specifics, you guys were publishing books and even doing a clothing line, and the gallery grew out of that? Do I misunderstand that, or is that close and to the truth? This was in Miami. No, there was, there was, a, there was a printing project. There was printing, and that, that led to publishing, and that led to, to just making relationships with artists. And, you know, my, bro- my brother owned a printing press, 
in Miami, and that's sort of how uh, things sort of grew from there. Um, the the no wave and the music and the radio and and all that stuff sort of grew out later, but that's an extension of all the projects. It's an an extension of community. You know, it's mm-hmm. you know we did the Dallas Art Fair. You know, was that I can't even remember. Um, but you did a show on on no wave radio. We had Piper Marshall down there, and and we did interviews with, with artists from the fair and gallerists. And you know, it's I, you know this was way before anybody was doing any sort of radio idea in the art world. Before punks um, like us had a podcast. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it, it all it all mesh. It, it's all different. It's all separate, but it's all the same at the you know equally. So. Um, all these projects grew into into you know as we grew up and as became more more of an adult, became more serious with our program. Like we never wanted to lose the the community aspect of the art world, and that's I mean that's you know if you look at artists and, and the, the the friendships they make and the, the 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 lives they lead and the people they hang out with, like we're all part of that. So and it's a family style project. It's a family style gallery. We, I'd love to have dinner with each one of my artists as much as i love to have dinner with you guys yeah. you know it's it, and it, and it kind of works that way i mean it's been a theme of everyone we've spoken to thus far night uh mm-hmm. like joel and stefania is that they're so close with their artists and it really is if not a family just like you know it, it's part of who they are and the artists are an extension of right. that and so it's not yeah. a gallery program it's really a, a culture or a way of being and i think you mills really kind of typify that in the way that you guys have always had these other cultural things happening but as you said it's not separate it's all part of the same community right. i think that's I, a great word yeah uh, that's spot on and I, I just do want to say that I, I i was a little bit offended that you had this mid-career painter as your first show I, mean, I didn't get the I didn't get the phone call. I just want to throw that out there. Before, you know, I mean, he just he just he just had a painting wow. at Sotheby's and went for two hundred k, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna say there was there were some feelings. There were some feelings here on the West Coast. Well, we we wanted to save you for this big wow. Mexico City new it's gallery announcement because you wouldn't be able to talk about any of that. It was all well, in, could we have, embargo. Could we have planned this any better? No, no we <laughs> couldn't. Have. I had no idea. Um, so you guys start in Miami, where I think you're you're from, where you grew up uh, or spent a lot of time growing up, right? Yep. Um, and you moved to yep. LA a couple of years after that. And um, and I think an important thing you mentioned just a second ago, briefly, was that while the while the program has changed a little bit, you brought on a couple of artist estates. First, the Maplethorpe estate, uh, and as we spoke of earlier, Dash Snow's estate, um, and have added different artists to the program over the past couple of years. You really have kept that sense of community. Like, how do you how do you change it up and become or be rigorous in a different way while not losing that sense of fun and kind of community. Like what's been key to that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's the hardest thing, right? The older you get, the the less the energy to to sort of execute on those things really, um, really, really becomes more difficult. So you have to rely on your artists, you know, and that's to me when, when one of my artists sends an artist, that's, that's the one that those are, that's what I key in on. You know, it's, it's, you get, you know, advisors send you, Oh, you should look at this and, you know, collectors, but, to me, when an artist tells me to look at something, that makes the most sense. So honestly, being close to the people we're close to and, and, and being a support mechanism for them, but also being having your ears open and listening to them and, and some of the ideas they have, it's going to help keep the wheels turning. And I think that's that, from our standpoint, is how we've been able to keep growing. And how often does that happen that an artist comes to you and is like, you have to see this this other artist? I, I, a text I, message, usually mm-hmm. a text or, or a DM or uh-huh. some. Some sort of, you know, it, and I tell them like, man, keep keep sending me this, you know, like I right. want to, don't be shy, like I want, and don't don't get your feelings hurt if we don't go for it, but at the same time, like we want to see what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And in kind of in in the midst of this sort of change, or as you as you kind of like evolve the gallery, you also decided just because you had so much free time on your hands uh, to start an art fair in Los Angeles. That I think the first edition was concurrent with the first edition of Freeze LA. Is that true? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and a second. A Felix Art Fair, which was in a great hotel. The first two editions um, was really a fun thing. How did that come about, and how does that interrelate kind of with the project of being a dealer? Uh, well, you know, we spent so many years. This is kind of funny. We we used to do a show in Miami, outside of the fair called It Ain't Fair. I don't know if you guys remember that. And it was just, it was our commentary. I definitely never went to that. No, I, I can't say I did either. I mean, Alas. like Alex, Alex Gartenfeld curated two of the shows and that. And, you know, we had some really good projects. But we, you know, we knew we weren't going to get into the main fair. And we, at that point, we weren't even getting into NADA. Um, so we did this non-fair fair. But, we, but it had amazing names and amazing artists because we had good relationships 
and people were, were sort of psyched to, to do this project. Um, you know, fast forward, I don't know, 10 years later, um, we're in a position, right, to, to actually create something. And we partnered up with Dean Valentine, who you guys know is an L.A. collector who's, you know, has a reputation for really finding emerging land, you know, and, and sort of being an L.A. collector before a lot of people became L.A. collectors. You know, Dean had been around and um, had really strong relationships. And, and, you know, one day he just walked into the gallery and we it's one of those conversations that just evolved, you know, like, oh, you know, freeze is coming. Like, why not? Why not do something, you know, that that, that could kind of. Um, be a counterpart to that and, and offer something different, you know, um, you know, the price points. So you basically as an entrepreneur, you want to do something you want to be involved in. And that's what it boiled down for me. Did I want to do an art fair that cost me $8,000 and I could bring, if invited, I could bring anyone from my program and have uh, hammer mocha and LACMA curators walking through there um, and, and buying, buying work for their permanent collections and, being exposed to a, a, a huge, you know, segment of the global collecting population between Europe, New York, and LA, and and be in it for an affordable price that does that did put a, didn't put a lot of pressure on me as a business and a gallery like that, that felt like a no brainer. And then you know the hard part is executing. And it, I mean, it's getting out there. It's super fun too because yeah. it's in a hotel. You're it's roaming between Hollywood rooms. I mean, it has a different feel. Kind of harkens back. And others have said it's going to harken back to the original Armory shows here in New York in the Gramercy Park Hotel and stuff like that. Um, so it has kind of a different vibe now. Now I, I've been warned by your PR agent the not to ask uh, too many questions in this vein, but there has been a, there has been a date change. So I hear that there will be an announcement soon on if 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 there's going to be a, if there's going to be something happening uh, in the coming year with that. Uh, maybe we'll have to watch. Uh, we'll watch uh, the news on friday i guess you, you never do. you know it's it's california's not open yet like there's it's very complicated right um exactly you know there's elevators there's tower you know mm. it, it, the ventilation there's a lot to go through and trust me we've been looking at it and studying it like they're, they're, i'm not trying to be coy all right. Well, fingers um, fingers are crossed uh, for from people here in New York. So we we love we love it to happen again. We love. Um, speaking of New York, you need to come back. New York is like is great right now. Like things are open. It feels like you're not supposed to say it, but the pandemic's over. What's oh, go, what's over. How, how is LA now? And how has LA been? Like how have you guys both personally and as a gallery managed over this kind of psychotic last thirteen and a half months or so? Well, the pandemic ended three weeks ago, from my from my understanding. That's um, what I hear too. Yeah. And I looked, I'm looking at my American Airlines app, Monday, May 24th, depart LAX, uh, land in JFK. So I'll keep, keep you guys posted on that. Um, but yeah, look, man, this pandemic was rough for everybody, you know, and, and you had to stay engaged. You had to stay, you had to stay sane. You had to stay busy. Um, we left our space in December. That was, our lease was up and we, we elected not to try to push through and, focus on, you know, trying to go month to month and open a show here and there and just focus on the new space. You know, we signed a lease in November. Um, we got keys January 1st to start build out. We didn't see any benefit in trying to push together a few more shows. Um, so, you know, as, as a team, we all, we all work online. We meet, we meet every morning at 1030 on our, on our call. Um, we stay actively engaged with our collectors, um, with our artists. But yeah, I mean, and personally, I've been building a house in the desert that I bought in 2016, that I never had, never had the chance to go out there and, and meet with contractors and get bids. And, 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 you know, that project has been very important for me to, yeah. to get that house built. Um, so I never had, the, I never had the time to do that. The pictures look, yeah, look you guys amazing. Pictures. Well, yeah. just from a few weeks ago, it looked really, really great. Yeah. It's uh, coming along. More, this week is coming along, but you know, stuff like that. I think, you know, you, people had to, the world had to slow down a little bit and, and whether it's by choice or by, you know, by force, you know, it, it focused, it forced you to kind of focus on, on the things you wanted to focus on because, you know, we're all getting back to this lifestyle that was before. Maybe it'll be different, but you know, I'm going to Mexico next week, New York three weeks later, like, you know, it's, it's, it feels, you know, it feels like, like it's ramping slowly. back up. It feels like it's ramping. Yeah, I'm coming I'm gonna, to Mexico. I'm, I'm going from there to Chicago. Um, if you guys want to come back, I'm spending all of June in Mexico, and the opening will be on the 17th. I'll probably come back. All right, we, we, it could be arranged. It could be yeah. arranged. My birthday is arranged. on the 19th. It wouldn't be, wouldn't right. be a bad reason to be no. to be in to be in Mexico. No, um, but during the pandemic, you mentioned the the greater kind of LAF, what it's called. You guys kind of collaborated on a great online viewing system. But you at the gallery also started kind of a special project. Do you want to do you want to chat about that? I'm blanking on the name right now. My computer just turned our off. Our collect, yeah, our collect, our collect project. So. 
right sort of mid-March, early April, we, 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 we have these web designers that we work with and, and we just went, you know, let's create our own OVR that um, doesn't just put a bunch of paintings and JPEGs online, but really gets into the studio, um, develops sort of content-based, you know, whether it be videos, um, you know, text, writing, whatever, um, something that really shows what an online exhibition sh should show is, is the process and, and how an artist got to where they're going, reference images like you would see in a catalog. Um, uh, and it's been nice, you know, and it's, it's something that we don't force. It's not like we have a show every month. Artists want to do it. Some do, some do, some don't. But when they do want to do it, they get really into it. Um, and so we're opening up one with Charlie Billingham that opens this Thursday. And um, you'll just see a lot of reference images. You know, Charlie works with like 18th century prints and, um, you know, different, different sort of um, imagery that sort of bleeds into his, his abstract paintings. Uh, but it's it's a way to learn a lot more and have these small projects. They're not these massive shows. You know, I think Charlie has seven seven works in there. Um, but it is it is a way to stay active, and it is a way for artists to to be engaged in the online community in a different way. Um, you know, we've done a bunch of OVRs. Some of them are you know some of them have been great. Some of them have been flat. But you know, they've been necessary. They've been necessary to get the uh, to market our artists, which wasn't uh, possible. You know, you always sort of need a third party platform. You know, whether it be Basel, Freeze, you know, LA Platform, any of those, you know, people look, they get tired of them, but they still look at them. Yeah, I mean, I've and, bitched a lot about them, but they can be helpful for certain people in terms of for 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 selling art to people. Have you right. been able to have you been able to engage with any new clients that weren't already active Absolutely. with the gallery? Absolutely. Okay, that's Absolutely. the name of the game. Yeah, I mean, and that that to me is worth you know everything. So, you know, between um, the Basel OVRs. Uh, which I think we've done two, three, three, three with Miami, um, and then our own. Like we're we're get we're definitely getting new people. Um, leaving LA aside, as it's an open question, do, do you guys are you guys signed up to any out of town art fairs, in person art fairs that'll be taking place in person in the fall? In the yeah, fall? we're doing the Independence in Great. September, and I would imagine Miami's going to happen. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely bet anyone five hundred dollars that Miami is happening. I mean, Florida's open. Yeah. I mean, do you check Instagram? <laughs> a new hotel opened this I weekend, mean, and it was like wild and out there. I went to visit my daughter maybe a month ago, and I was I was shocked. I, shocked is the right word <laughs> how people were um, sort of engaging down there. I but mean, um, the, yeah, they're open. The number of people in Max Club Deuce was a little disconcerting, and I love that bar, but it was still a little, yeah. a little much. But there was a new, there was a new hotel and club opening this weekend. Did you see this, Nate, on the I gram? Oh, wow, <laughs> it, it looked, it looked pretty wild. I mean, like it looked like very two thousand and eight to me, but mm. maybe not in a bad way. Mm. All right, I think that's about, I think that's about it. I mean, there's so much more to, to talk with Myth Mills always, but I'm feeling you'll be well, a recurring you know, guest. I, I, I'm going to brush aside the fact that Joel went before me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would like to, and, and I want to apologize to Joel. I'm just kidding. You know, I love you. Um, I, I'm happy to be a friend of the pod and come on anytime. Great. So I uh, love you guys. I love what you're doing. All so right. this is, we'll have this you is back. Great. We love you, Mills. We miss you. We can't wait to see we'll you in Mexico, Mexico next week, buddy. There's, there's going to be some hugs in Mexico. So oh, yes. Hugs, hugs for sure. Jabs and hugs. hugs. A lot of tacos. <laughs> All right, Bobby. We'll talk to you later. Bye, Mills. Right, That's jabs. it for Bye. us this week. See you later, guys. Noto bene. Week.